En toen de Pinksterdag aanbrak, waren alle tezamen bijeen. En eensklap kwam er uit de hemel een geluid als van een geweldige windvlaag en vulde het gehele huis waar zij gezeten waren. En er toonden zich aan hen tongen als van vuur die zich verdeelden. En het zette zich op ieder van hen en ze werden allen vervuld met de heilige geest en begonnen met andere tongen te spreken, zoals de geest het hun gaf uit te spreken. Nu waren er joden te Jeruzalem, woonachtig, vrome mannen uit alle volken onder den hemel. En toen dit geluid gekomen was, liep de menigte te hoop en verbaasde zich. Want een ieder hoorde hen in zijn eigen taal spreken. En buiten zichzelf van verwondering zeiden ze, Zie, zijn niet al deze die daar spreken, Galileërs? En hoe horen wij hen dan in ieder in onze eigen taal waarin wij geboren zijn? When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now they were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? But I'm not good in speaking in public because I'm, I'm not used to in Korean education. <laughs> Don't give much chance to talk. So I might faint in the middle. <laughs> 우리들은 파르티아 사람, 메데스, 엘렘 사람들, 메소포토미아 주민들, 유대와 카타포키아, 펀투스와 아시아, 프루지아와 팜필리아, 이집트와 레네에 속한 리비아의 일부, 로마에서 온 방문객, 유대인과 개종자를 포함하여 그레트 사람과 아랍인들이 우리 언어로 하나님과 하나님의 권세에 대해 말하는 것을 들을 것입니다. 모두가 놀라서 혼란스러워했습니다. 그들은 서로에게 말했습니다. 무슨 일일까? 그러나 다른 사람들은 비웃고 말했습니다. 그들은 술에 취했나 보다. 라고 말했습니다. 그러나 베드로 11명의 다른 사도들과 함께 
그러나 베드로는 11명의 다른 사도들과 함께 서 있었습니다. 그는 모든 사람에게 소리쳤습니다. 유대 사람들과 예루살렘에서 사는 다른 모든 사람들 나는 너에게 중요한 것을 말해줄 것이므로 내가 하는 말을 들어라. 해가 어두워지고 달이 피 색깔로 될 것입니다. 모든 일은 하나님의 영광스러운 날이 시작되기 전에 일어날 것입니다. 그때 하나님의 이름을 부르는 모든 사람들이 구원을 받을 것입니다. Thank you very much. 
and it fills up the entire room, the whole room. It's all filled up. And then these fiery tongues appear among them. These fiery tongues. And then they rest on each of them. And then all of a sudden, they are all filled up with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in other languages. And this is where you get this phrase, speaking in tongues. And people from many different places and backgrounds and identities, they're gathered around and they're hearing these testimonies about God's great deeds, about God's great love, but they're hearing them in their own language. So everyone is completely amazed, maybe a little weirded out, maybe they're wondering if this was the result of some early morning drunkenness. And even though it was early in the morning, they suspect this can't be, this just can't be. And that's when Peter rises up. That's when Peter rises up and he speaks to these gathered people saying that this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who emboldens God's people to spread good news to others, to be the church in the world. So what were they all doing there? Why were they gathered together for this feast, this fateful Pentecost morning? And for that, we have to look at a little context here. Because Pentecost gets its name because it's this pilgrimage feast for pious Jewish people that was celebrated seven weeks or 50 days after the Passover. So these devout Jews, they would come from their homes and from their different towns, and they would travel sometimes a really long way to the temple or to the central shrine in Jerusalem. And scholars suggest that on this next Pentecost pilgrimage feast, after Jesus' death and resurrection, his disciples and his family came to Jerusalem. And that while they were there, this Pentecost event from this morning scripture, that's when it happens. The presence of the Spirit, charismatically manifested as they all begin to speak in tongues. So this event, this Pentecost event, it was seen as a sign that the people there, that they should proclaim God's word publicly, that they should proclaim what was done in Jesus publicly. So today, this morning, when we celebrate Pentecost, we are celebrating the start of the Christian church, which is called to spread that news. We're celebrating the start of that call, to be called as God's hands and feet in the world, called to be the church. Now, Pentecost was an agricultural feast of Thanksgiving, and like other Jewish feasts, it had acquired additional meaning through storytelling, through recalling what God had done for God's people previously. So at Passover, the Jewish people would recall their deliverance from Egypt. And then 50 days later, at Pentecost, it was another round of storytelling they would again tell stories of God's relationship with the people. They would recall God's giving the covenant to Israel at Sinai. In essence, the moment when Israel was chosen and called to be God's own. So this moment that we read about today, Pentecost scriptures, it's an echo. It's an echo of a previous scene in which God appeared at Sinai in Exodus 19. So you may recall from the Old Testament story that there was this thunder and this smoke and angels taking what God said to Moses up on the mountaintop and carrying it out on tongues 
to the people on the plain below. It's an echo. So we can read this Pentecost event in the book of Acts. We can read this morning's scripture as a renewal of God's covenant, a renewal of God's call with people. So today's scripture is an incident of God calling God's people once again to be God's own. Pentecost calls the church to be God's people in the world. It's this moment of corporate call. It's a call of all of us. And even today, even today on this Pentecost morning and on every morning that we gather, God's calling us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so here's the part that we have to pay attention to. Unlike that Exodus scripture that includes this smaller group of people in those who God is calling to be God's own, the Acts scripture, the echo that happened later, our Pentecost scripture from this morning is very, very explicit in how broad and diverse a people God is making a covenant with. From the Parthians to the Elamites to the Romans. Everybody. God calling everybody to this mission of love and hope and justice in the world. This new covenant with God is now for all people. The tent got wider. The table got longer. This new Pentecost in Acts, it is wide-reaching. And God is casting out this very wide net and welcoming all the people to take up the call to be God's people in the world. Last spring, so spring of 2018, I was out in Southern California visiting my family, and I had a fantastic trip out there playing board games and eating the best Mexican food and spending time with my loved ones in the sunshine and along the shore. And my niece, Carly, who was 12 years old at the time, she had a friend out from Texas who was visiting her. And one day, I took the two girls and Carly's two younger brothers to the beach. So... I was in the front seat driving my mom's old Honda Pilot with these four kids in the back. And I overheard these two girls talking with one another. So Sophia, the friend, said to Carly about Sophia's recent birthday this. Oh my gosh. Turning 13 changes everything. Like, when you are 13, life is completely different, and you just want to do everything. And Carly nodded in response. She was taking it in, taking in the gravity of the news that a 13th birthday, that entering into the teenage years is this pivotal moment in life. It is like one chapter ending and this other one just unfolding before you. And some of us can relate to that. Perhaps dramatic, but grave feeling this statement that Sophia made in the back seat of the car and perhaps you remember what it was like that transition to turn 13 or 18 or 21 or 30 or 60 perhaps you remember what it was like to turn that age that marked a real change for you a chapter shift or maybe for you it wasn't a birthday Maybe for you it was a life event that made you say those words that Sophia said, life is totally different now. Getting married, having a child, changing careers, suffering through an illness, losing a loved one. 
these and many others, these are all these life events that act as markers that end one chapter before another one starts. And so I imagine that for some of you, you have had a chapter change that is a Pentecost moment, which marked the end of one chapter and the beginning of another. When was that moment for you in which God called you? When have you felt the Holy Spirit settle upon you and embolden you? Embolden you to be this compassionate person, this boldly loving person, this person seeking justice, this person who said, I won't be quiet anymore because I have a message to give. When was that moment when you could have turned to your neighbor and said, that changed everything and life is different now? So friends, turning 13, it might not change everything, but in some very profound ways, being a Christian does. So in our walk with Christ, we have this new hope in resurrection. We know that from Easter. We have this new commandment to love one another. We know that from reading about Jesus' life in the world. And we have this mission to be the church in the world. Hope, love, and mission. These three things have the power to change our lives, and they have the power to change everybody else's lives. They have the power to change the world. And Pentecost. This holy day in the Christian calendar, Pentecost, is this big, huge marker in the history of our Christian faith. At Pentecost, a new chapter began. The Holy Spirit came down, and those who were gathered were given this big charge to spread the good news, to spread the hope, to spread the love, to spread the mission. And there is this Pentecost of the Bible, the events that we read about in this morning's scripture, and then there's these Pentecost moments that we experience as Christians on our lifelong walk with Christ. And the Holy Spirit is not limited to biblical times. She's right here with us in the room this morning. She is holy breath and wind and fire and air that moves among us. There are the moments in which we feel the Holy Spirit stirring us and moving us in our midst. Pentecost is all about those moments. It's all about the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives, who calls us to act, who emboldens us. So this morning, as you go from this place, as you go into your week, I invite you to consider two questions. The first is this. When have you felt the Holy Spirit moving? Because our faith is not about reading what happened only in ancient times. It's about reading those pieces and relating it to what's happening right now. Your lived experience is a part of the Christian story too. And so when has the Holy Spirit been moving in you? And as a result of the prompting of the Holy Spirit, how are you being called to be the church today? How are you being called to be God's hands and feet? How are you a conduit of that Holy Spirit energy in the world around you? I have two stories to share from my life that come to mind when I consider the question of when I've felt that Holy Spirit moving. And I hope that when I share these stories, you think, ah, I too have had the Holy Spirit move in my life. So the first story comes from my time working in trauma chaplaincy in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I worked at the hospital of the University of Pennsylvania, right in downtown Philadelphia, and I worked mostly overnights in the trauma bay. And uh, the chaplaincy office, it was on the second floor, so it was, it was a bit of a distance in this very large hospital. Trauma bay is down here, and to get to the chaplaincy office, you kind of have to wind down two halls, cut through radiology, go up an elevator, and kind of around 
to the right. And so I was equipped with two different pagers. And one would go off and read a code for a general unit, oncology, um, you know, cardiac care, etc. A general unit that was alerting me to someone's desire for spiritual care. And then the other pager would go off only when a patient was en route to the trauma bay. And that was the pager that required really fast action, a fast response. So no matter where we were in the large hospital, no matter what we were doing, if a member of the trauma team got a page on their trauma pager, they were expected to be in the trauma bay within five minutes. And this was quite a responsibility for someone who was fairly new to ministry at the time. But I took solace in the words that my supervisor said to me right before my very first overnight on-call shift when I was the only chaplain in the hospital, right before he left to go home for dinner, he said this, no matter where you go, God has already gotten there first. And then he left. So, <laughs> so one evening around midnight, and I had just entered into that very sweet REM cycle, just entered that, and it's around midnight, just a few months into my time serving in the hospital, and just a few minutes into that really good sleep, the trauma pager went off and showed the code GSW, and that represented an individual with a gunshot wound being brought into our trauma bay. So I quickly hurried to get my shoes on and get down the stairs and through the halls to the trauma bay, and myself and the other members of the team arrived shortly before the patient did. The patient was a young man in his early 20s, and he was wheeled in on a gurney, and the team quickly began to address each of his needs. Everyone worked in perfect harmony, each using their specialized skills that they were called to, to try to save this young man's life. And if you've never worked in a trauma bay, the closest thing it's like in my life is when you play just the right music with a band you're in, just the right orchestral music, just the right rock music, when you are all at just the same moment of synchronicity, that's what it's like when it's going pretty well. So as I stood to the left of this young man's feet, he's laying here, and I stood to the left of his feet, and I'm going through his wallet and through his cell phone, and I'm trying to find out who his next of kin might be that I could contact. I felt the Holy Spirit just descend into that space. And in the midst of this horrible tragedy, the air was what I can only describe as being thick with God. And I was overcome by that. I felt it. So I wonder if you've ever been in a space like that. A space where you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that the sweet Holy Spirit was with you there. In the midst of even the worst moments, in the places that we least expect it, sometimes we catch a glimmer of the Holy Spirit present. And so I am so grateful for those times. They renew your faith. And in that trauma bay, the Holy Spirit was moving and working and helping the team to work together. It was that synergy, that synergy energy. That's the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was quieting anxieties and helping all things to work together for good. And my supervisor, Jim, was so right. Before any of us arrived in that trauma bay, God was there, the Holy Spirit was there, and that was powerful. When have you had a moment where the Holy Spirit was there too? 
Another time when I felt the Holy Spirit palpably present, moving in my midst, I was on this mission trip to Ecuador a few years ago. I was serving a local church that had an ongoing relationship with a children's home in Ecuador called For His Children. And on our mission trip, we led these activities for the kids and the babies. We helped their caretakers with cooking and cleaning, the daily routines that the children had. And some of the teenagers that we had brought with us, they were jumping on the trampoline with the preschoolers. Others of us were just soaking up time, just holding these babies and rocking them to sleep. And our aim on this trip was to just put our faith into action. We wanted our actions to preach the good news to these little ones, that they were beloved, that we cared, that God cared, that the Tias who cared for them daily loved them. We wanted to live out that commandment to love one another. We wanted to live into Jesus' teaching that we care for those most vulnerable. So after several days in Ecuador, Sunday morning rolls around, and our team was asked to lead worship for the kids and the caretakers, who were affectionately known as their tias, and we chose to take the kids on this hike down to the river where they all sat on blankets facing the water, and we led them in songs. We led them in singing as I went down to the river to pray. I've got peace like a river. And one of our teenagers in our group led us all in a prayer. And I watched as these little kids on the blankets folded their hands and bowed their heads and got really focused. And as we all sang together, the children smiled and they laughed. And as we prayed together, you could see this connection and this genuine love between them and their caretakers. And as I watched all of this unfold, I thought to myself, surely the presence of the Lord is in this space. This is a Holy Spirit moment. So when have you experienced that? When have you become aware of that Holy Spirit in your midst, moving and uniting you across borders and differences and language barriers? The second piece of this morning's scripture, what it asks us to consider is this. So as a result of this Holy Spirit moment, this Holy Spirit prompting, how are you actually going to live that out? How are you going to live into being called to be the church in the world? So in our scripture this morning, the Holy Spirit prompted everybody gathered to speak in tongues, prompted them to spread the good news. How is the Holy Spirit prompting you? What's the good news that you're supposed to spread, and how are you supposed to spread it? I have this friend named Martel, and each year for the past few years, she has decorated her bicycle, and I will show you pictures of this, with vibrant colors and worn very colorful outfits and this long flowing blue wig every single year at the Boston Pride Parade. And she pedals along the parade route with 600 plus fresh cut flowers. And she takes these flowers that she has in this basket on the front of her bike, and she waves at the people on the parade route, and she's smiling, and she's waving, and she's yelling, happy pride, everyone. And then, as she goes along, and she sees the LGBTQ plus elders along the side of the parade route, people who have lived for years under laws that prevented them from marrying those they loved, from serving openly in the military, from adopting children, and so much more. As she sees these elders, she hops off her bicycle, she looks them in the eye, and she hands them a flower and thanks them. And then she pedals on. And then she pedals on a little bit further, and she sees a teenager, often kind of a scrawny, anxious teenager, 
maybe a little bit excited. And I can tell you right now that we in the LGBTQ plus community, we have some kind of this like secret power where we know the look of someone who is freshly out of the closet or someone who is daring to put a toe out of it. And we know that look and Martell uses that superpower and she hops off her bicycle again and she walks over to these teenagers and she hands them a flower and she looks them in the eye and she says, thank you so much for being you. And thank you for being here. She keeps going down the parade route and she keeps pulling out these fresh cut flowers and looking people in the eye and recognizing their dignity and their worth as human beings. And that is the Holy Spirit, folks. When someone spreads unconditional love, belonging, and acceptance, let me tell you, you know that that is the Holy Spirit. That is God. That is that God force energy that wraps us all up in love and prompts us to act in love. So how's the Holy Spirit prompting you? What's your bicycle? What's your fresh cut flowers? What eye contact do you need to make with somebody to make sure that they know that they are beloved? Friends, as you leave worship this morning, I want you to know that that same Holy Spirit that descended on Pentecost descends on us today and calls you to action. Know that the Holy Spirit is with you always. And know that you, you, each one of you are called to be the church. What that means is that you are called to spread hope and love and a mission of peace and justice. Amen.